Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Paul Newman is Butch Cassidy, and the Sundance Kid is Robert Redford. Catherine Ross is Etta Place. Dynamite's ready, Butch. Well, that ought to do it. Think you's enough dynamite there, Butch? Most of this is true, and all of it blazes with action. You've never met a pair like Butch and Sundance. Back in business, boys and girls. Outlaws with style, in a class all their own. You know, when I was a kid, I always thought I was going to grow up to be a hero. Don't tell me how to rob a bank. I know how to rob a bank. And anything you ask of me, I'll do. Except one thing. I won't watch you die. You just keep thinking, that's what you're good at. <laughs> An incredible pair of rugged adventurers, creating a living legend on two continents. But it's just one guy. Don't you get sick of being right all the time? They robbed trains. Stop it. Looted banks. Manus and Eva, they got him up. Ah, oh, you're so damn smart, you read it. And one girl shared their love and larceny. Drops keep falling on my head. And just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed, nothing seems to fit. Those raindrops are falling on my head. What are you doing? Stealing your woman? Take her. Boy, you're a romantic bastard. I'll give you that. Then, Mr. E.H. Harriman of the Union Pacific put the top lawmen in the West on their trail. They're very good! If he just pay me what he's spending to make me stop robbing him, I'd stop robbing him. They were outlaws, running out of time and out of space, and a changing world was closing in on them. From the American West to New York. To the dangerous new frontier of Bolivia. Bolivia? Well, he'll feel a lot better after he's robbed a couple of banks. jump first. And you jump first. No, I said. What's the matter with you? Set the way back machine. Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. Hi, this is Dave Mason, co-founder of the classic band Traffic and writer of a song which you all know called Feeling All Right. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. He's assuming you're going to go to the front. 
Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, 500 and, I don't know, a whole bunch 35. of 35. Yeah, 35. Wow, that's a lot. Um, you can visit Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So, good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing all right. How about okay. you? Tommy, how are you doing there behind the nearly COVID 2021 window there? I'm doing great. Feeling protected? Feeling protected. That's good. That's Excellent. good. Yeah, we got some stuff in here just in case. You oh, know. Yeah, we got extra. We got extra spray. <laughs> we have our own vaccination. <laughs> yep. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sports fans, music fans, we have a great show for you tonight. We have a very, very, very special guest coming on. Start your engines in there somehow. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, start your engines. Gentlemen, start your uh, record players. Put the uh, well, yeah, spin the have radio. To do that. We haven't done that one. I don't know. Tommy, you're a DJ from back in the day. What'd you guys say? I mean, did you say like uh, besides spin the wheel or drop a needle in the groove? What other kind of radio cliches did they have back in the day? Drop a little weather in there, maybe, or something like that. Yeah. Weather. <laughs> <laughs> weather. Well, you know, it is cold out. You know, baby, it's cold That's outside. A good one, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's yeah. what freezing up a couple counties north of us. I yep. hear. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Freeze, okay. watch. Colder as you go home tonight. Colder yes. as you go north. Yes, yes. Shh. <laughs> Sorry about that. I meant south. <laughs> south, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where we're going to follow the birds. We're going to follow the birds. We're going to go south. Anyway, all right. So, uh, you know, normally I uh, do something each week. I go to a car show, a swap meet, or something like that. But there hasn't been any car shows or swap meets that I have fit in my schedule because I've been... Uh, I don't know, just busy. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, Leadfoot Cities. Wait a minute. Is this the third Saturday of the month? Third this Sunday of the month. It's coming that. up. <laughs> anywhere near that? Okay. Oh, that's right. Today's the first. Today's the first Tuesday of the month. Okay, that means first. It's actually the first of the month. <laughs> it's the first of them. Okay, so coming this Saturday at a uh, fairground near you, up in Dumpster County. I mean, Sumster County. Sumster County. There goes that. Okay, Sumster County. Um, uh, the uh, Sumter County Fairgrounds swap meet uh, a good friend, uh, Mr. Pearson, up there. And uh, that should be a lot of fun. On the third Sunday of each month is um, Lidfoot City's swap meet and car show and uh, drifting thingy. And, uh, and and they have live music. Actually, Lidfoot City has done a very, very good job. They've done exactly what we thought they should do. You know, car show, swap meet, uh, a little racing. Now, apparently, they got proof for their drag strip now, so they're going to have, I think, I'm not sure if it's a quarter mile, but probably somewhere around eighth mile uh, drag strip. So that'd be quite a deal. And they're doing other stuff, too. They actually have some videos. But Google Leadfoot Cities, and you'll find out more and more about it. Now, over the weekend, I want to say over the weekend, last Saturday, over the holidays, hope everybody had a good turkey day. Uh, we went to Titusville because I had to appraise a car over there. And while I was over there at uh, Mercedes-Benz, for example, and you know me, I just can't... Uh, you know, no self-respecting junk man can, uh, you know, not find something to throw in the back of the van. You know, see, it's very dangerous for me to have a van or a truck very. because stuff just—it's like I'm a—I go down the road and I'm a magnet. Poof, 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 poof. Stuff just sticks to me and winds up in the back. So I had to praise this Mercedes. Not in the backyard is a fender laying up against the fence with just the very end of it cut off. The important part of it, actually. And uh, it was for a 19, I'm going to say 63 to 69, maybe 70, 71, Mercedes 230, 250, 280SL, Pigo to 113 car. I used to have a couple of those back in the day. But uh, so I said, well, what are you doing with that? He says, that's oh, you know, junk. And I said, well, junk kind of finds its way to me. And well, I brought it back from Titusville. But yeah. while I was over there, I was in this guy's garage. This is a pretty cool old Mercedes Benz. But one car in particular was kind of neat and that was a late 60s mercedes six door 600 pullman Interesting nope, look car. you're out of time i'm out of time okay nope. well anyway you're hooked on a feeling now. on that on that note i think we're gonna be <laughs> <laughs> tommy's laughing okay i just got cut off okay anyway i think we're gonna fire up fire up the turntable and we're gonna play a little song here and which is a clue a clue the, we had two clues earlier and uh so, hey, you're tuning in to Stuff We're Getting Cards. Don't touch that bell. We, we will be right back with our very special guest for the evening.
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce our very special guest for the evening. This gentleman is a legendary singer and recording artist with amazing songs like Rock and Roll Lullaby, Hooked on a Feeling, and my personal favorite, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. I'm delighted to welcome to Nostalgic Reading Cars this evening, B.J. Thomas. Hey, Robert, how are you doing? Well, you know what? You have uh, got a, a record for singing some, some of the most amazing songs, most memorable songs. In fact, one thing I wanted to point out, too, I was just reading up on you. According to Billboard Records, you are ranked up in the, uh, among the top 50 artists whose music gets played on radio over and over and over. That's got to be, uh, uh, be a real honor for you. Well, you know, that may be right up at the, the top of the, you know, I, I can appreciate the, the longevity of my career, and I've been very lucky, worked with so many great songwriters, some of the best songwriters of my era. But yeah, being being in the top 50 most played artists of the last uh, 50 years, that's, that's pretty cool. I enjoyed that myself. <laughs> you have an amazing voice. When did you, when you were younger, you were, if I recall reading up, you were like around 15 when you kind of recorded your first song, and it was a remake of the Hank Williams song. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was with, I was with a band. We, we, got, we got the band together. It wasn't my band. It was our, our band. Uh, it was, uh, there were four, four, five of us when we started off. And, uh, you know, we just kind of, um, uh, we would just copy the top 40 chart. It was top 40 radio in those days, and that's kind of what we would do at our our dances uh, uh, kind of thing. And when I, we got the chance to make our first uh, album, I record, right at the end of the session, we had recorded the album one night, and before we you know broke down and went home, I said, hey, I got to do this song for my dad. And my dad that had asked me to do something country on the on, on the album, and I, you know, I wasn't that big of a, of a country enthusiast at that time. Although I really loved Hank Williams, Honest Tub, and a lot of those great legendary guys, and then I always loved Hank Williams. And I had just seen this song in the in a movie called uh, "Your Cheating Heart," which was uh, um, out when I was a kid, when I was in high school, and I started doing it with uh, my band, The Triumphs. And, uh, you know, somehow it found its way on the radio and became a number one record in Houston and kind of got, got me really started. Did you, uh, like a lot of kids that got into music when you were younger, did you pick up any musical instruments and start playing them at all? Yeah, yeah, I played a little guitar, like, like you kind of, like you said, I, I played a little guitar enough to, enough to, you know, mess around. I've never been really a great, a great player or a great writer, really, but, uh, um, I, I enjoy messing with the guitar every now and then. And then uh, "Hooked on a Feeling" was, uh, I think, your big hit in 1968, and that was written by Mark James, maybe. I think uh, by Mark James. Yeah, yeah Mark James is the, is the guy. That Mark and I grew up together, and uh, you know, just uh, he he gave me a call uh, and and uh, told me I should come to Memphis, so I went to Memphis. And started recording with Chips Moment in the American Studio Group at American Studio on Danny Thomas Boulevard. I'm not sure it's even there anymore, but it was a great studio, and they cut hit records on just everybody. And I just had a hooked on a feeling was very uh, instrumental in getting me uh, raindrops, but um, it kind of showed the Bacharach. I had been working with Mr. Bacharach for a few months. Um, uh, actually, the label that asked, asked Gloria and I to move up to New York so I could work with Mr. Baccarat. And, uh, you know, having, having the hit record on Hooked on the Feeling kind of helped me, uh, kind of helped solidify their choice of, uh, of myself to do the, do the bicycle scene. And, uh, you know, just one of the great experiences of my life, really. When you were doing your songs, now you had a number of hits in the 60s, a number of hits in the 70s. And you kind of vacillated back and forth. I mean, you were kind of like sometimes a pop singer, sometimes a country singer, and then of course later you got into gospel music. But where do you kind of do you do you, do you, do you like the idea of a label, or do you just like I'm a really good singer? Does that fit you better? I mean, is that well, you know, it's not really. I'm not really uh, trying to say I'm a good singer either. It's it's uh, it's uh, like a personal thing, and as, as I mentioned, Top 40 Radio, that's kind of where our band, we started playing. That was when we, I, I was first in a band, 
and Top 40 Radio had all the genres on the, on the station. They, they played, uh, you know, they just what, played whatever was popular. And that's kind of the way I, I, I looked at the, the material that I recorded. I never really had any idea that I was um, doing anything genre-wise. I just, I just was trying to do the songs that, that I really liked and that moved me uh, emotionally. And that kind of turned into, uh, you know, of course, as music progressed over the over the years. Now, now, most every genre is, has their own radio station, and so, you know, I didn't foresee that. So I, I never really worried about the genres, but the, uh, I got involved in a, a number of different genres. Well, you have a very distinctive voice. I mean, you know, when you when your songs come on the radio, you know right away that's B.J. Thomas. Kind of like if you hear an Elvis song, you know it's an Elvis. You know, yeah. and uh-huh. and you actually had the opportunity of uh, working with Elvis at, at some point in time. I think what in the early to late seventies or something like that. Well, you know, uh, sorry, sorry, my dog's going off. Oh, that's okay. I was, I was living. I was living. <laughs> I was living, of course, as I said, in Memphis, Tennessee. Of course, Elvis was the big, uh, he was the big guy there in Memphis and the big guy in, in the in the universe, really. But he was he was a great guy. And, of course, I'm, I was around him a few times, lucky enough to, to have been around him. And uh, I think it was probably when I was, uh, I knew Elvis and we were in a, in a, I don't know if you call it a relationship, but we were, we were friends, uh, and he was great to other musicians and other singers. Always treated us uh, treated us great, and uh, you know it was one of the best times of his life. He was in his best shape, and uh, we were trying to get him. We knew he could have hit records again if he'd just come into American Studio there where we were recording, and we'd been working on his guys and telling, "Hey, would you tell Elvis to come come down here? That uh, you know they they want to record him, and uh, you know eventually he did." and of course, he cut some of the best music of his career. Well, I think uh, the the guy that wrote "Hooked on Feeling," Mark James, I think he also wrote one of uh, Elvis's songs. That wasn't it, "Suspicious Minds" or something. Yeah, he wrote "Suspicious Minds," and uh, he, Mark, Mark is a, you know one of my best friends and really one of the great writers. He's in the he's in all the Hall of Fames you can you can name, and uh, just just a great writer. And I, I remember when he told me. He had written that song for Elvis. Uh, I, I I didn't know if he really had a shot of getting in on Elvis or not, but uh, but he did, and uh, it, it turned out really well. You know, I got to ask you this. Now, you're you're native. Actually, you were born. You're according to your bio. Now, you were born in Oklahoma, and yeah, but you, and then you were raised in, in Texas. And I know there's this because I got buddies of mine in Tulsa. Okay, so I know that, and I got buddies of mine in Plano, Texas. So I know there's this Texas Oklahoma thing going back and forth. But some amazing <laughs> artists came out of Oklahoma. Um, Leon Russell's from there, um, and people like that. And uh, Vince I'm, Gill. Vince Gill, yeah. And uh, so, do you kind of feel like, well, am I a Texan or am I an Oklahoma guy, or does that matter <laughs> to you, or kind of like, uh, is it just like, hey, it's it's country music, we're all cool? Well, really, yeah, yeah it really doesn't, uh, really doesn't doesn't matter to uh, <laughs> to me. Over the years, I've grown to have a, a great appreciation for Oklahoma, and of course, I've worked up there many times, and I'm in the I'm in the Oklahoma uh, Hall of Fame, so. I've got a, a, a real love for Oklahoma and also Texas. Of course, I grew up in Texas. I only spent a short time in Oklahoma after I was born, but uh, it's a great state, Texas too. Let me ask you this: when you, when you, um, you know, because you've you've sung a number of songs, and and of course the raindrops falling on my head. When you originally recorded that song, did you know that that song was going to be used in the movie? Uh, Bush Casting and Sundance Kid, or was it just a song that they gave to you and said, "Hey, you got a great voice. Could you sing this song?" Yeah, no, I knew it was in the movie. I, I, I had been doing the one-nighters in the Midwest, and I, as I said, excuse me, as I said, I had been working with Mr. Bacharach, and uh, uh, we were looking for an opportunity to record, and nothing was really uh, making itself obvious. But then, of course, the they became involved with Bush Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and writing the score to that. And, of course, a part of that score was the bicycle scene with uh, with Paul Newman and uh, Catherine Ross. And, I, you know, I, they, I, I was there and was working with Mr. Bacharach, and I was selling records. 
making making hit records in Memphis at that time. And uh, so he he gave me the shot at the bicycle scene. And I remember uh, flying out to California, did the bicycle scene, and then we re-recorded Raindrops about six weeks later for the single version, which was the number one record. So you were actually on the set when the well they had actually they had it uh, they had it filmed already. So okay. they had a big screen in the studio, and they would run the bicycle scene, and we would do the song against that. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was, was quite an experience. Interesting, interesting. Fun. Yeah. Back in the day, when, you, when, 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 when uh, writers and composers got together with songs and they were looking for singers, because obviously they wanted a certain singer that had a certain voice, that had a certain demeanor. Yeah. Did you, what inspired you to take on certain songs? I mean, was it, was it, did the song have to mean something to you? Was it an emotional thing, like you had kind of referenced well, earlier? It, 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 kind of, it kind of did. The, the song had to. I had to be able to relate to the song emotionally and uh, feel and kind of be able to believe in what I. That was the one thing I had noticed in my idols, Bobby Bobby Bland, Jackie Wilson, these guys uh, growing up, was that they seemed to really believe every word they were singing, and I and I felt like that was a real. Um, a uh, major part of a of performance was the believability. So I tried to do songs that that I did believe in and that uh, um, I could put my emotions behind. And that's how that's how I picked. Of course, with Mr. Backrack, this was the song he had written, and uh, I can, I could tell you, I don't I don't care what kind of song it was, I was going to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to miss this opportunity with the. With Mr. Backrack, and uh, it, it turned out well. Oh, he's legendary. There's no question about that. And at 92, oh, he's still he's at it. Just a great, oh, just a great guy. I just worked with him a few years ago. We did the bicycle scene for the uh, uh, Paul Newman's charity, paint, uh, charity um, camps for handicapped children called the Painted Turtle, and they had a big uh, benefit. And uh, Bert and I worked together, and Bert played. And uh, you know, he's just an awesome. Awesome guy. I'm just uh, so charming and so handsome and so talented when he sat down at the piano. I mean, you know, no one ever played like that. You know? Speaking of charities, are there any charities in particular that you uh, associate yourself with? Oh, well, we we, we will uh, try to be helpful with the ASPCA and, uh, you know, rescue animals. And we're not, we, don't, we don't have anything that uh, is... Um, you know, a driving force, but we try to be helpful when we can. Back in the day, and and I don't like to use this term, but I guess people use it all the time. In your prime, or when you were really like <laughs> out there, um, and I and and I've had other musicians on my show before, and I know it's grueling, but you were. It said, and I read that you toured up to like three hundred plus days a year. How do you do that? I mean, that's just. It's got to be wear and tear, and then. Did you travel by well, bus? You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it it wasn't easy. Although at that at that time in my life, I was a young guy, and that's all I wanted to do. So you know, if I w- hadn't have been booked somewhere to do a show, I would have been singing with my friends or something anyway. So uh, we just stayed stayed on the road, you know, all, all the time, and uh, I, that's just the way they did it then, you know. And I still. I still love to be on the road because we're getting through this uh, this crazy time in our in our history here on this earth. But, uh, uh, we feel like th- that it will come back. The live performance uh, opportunities will come back, and we're looking forward to that. Um, how often do you get to Florida to do any events, any shows? Are they? Is you know, that we, your... we get to Florida most 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 every year. I'll get to uh, to Florida once or twice. So so. Hopefully, I'll see you. Where, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, so whereabouts in Florida would you, if you, uh, in the past, um, where are some of the places that you've gone that you've uh, performed? Oh, well, I mean, I, I'm not sure I can name them, but uh, does Ruth Eckert Hall work, ring a bell? Huh? Ruth, uh-huh. Ruth Eckert Hall does that ring a bell in Tampa and yeah, Clearwater, yeah, Florida? Yeah, yeah, we've worked there, and the, oh, there's the park. We've worked at uh, numerous parks there in the state, and uh-huh. many, many theaters over the years. So. 
I really, really enjoy going there. The villages and the, there's lots of great places there to perform. Okay. Now, when you when you're on touring, for example, do you have a say so, or is it your managers that pretty much have to kind of call make that call for you? I mean, do you have can you do you have input there? Uh, yeah, with where I, where I play uh, mm-hmm. uh, when I'm touring. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I have I have input, but you know, most of the time, uh, uh, I, I don't really sit down in one place. I usually move around. I, li- I like to do I like to do <laughs> one nighters and that kind of thing. And uh, you know, so hey, when people call you, they want you to perform. You usually, are, hey, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm down for it. So it's not like I'm picking the cities. Uh, the cities are kind of picking me, if, if you know what I mean. Okay, okay. Gospel music. Now, that was something that you picked up, I think, in the late 70s. So tell us a little bit of how you make a transition. Um, does the does the theme, the concept, the idea of gospel music, or is it just I'm still singing? Um, tell us well, about that. Well, you know, always, I'd always done gospel music even within the, the confines of uh, <clears throat> you know my regular recording, I had a song called "Mighty Clouds of Joy" back in the early seventies, and a song called uh, "Doctor God" and uh, in the mid seventies. So I, I was kind of a product by just growing up in that part, of my part of the country. I had I was a product of southern gospel music, and it was one of you know some of my favorite music of all time. And we had we had Gloria and I. In our family, we'd kind of had a spiritual awakening uh, in the uh, in the mid '70s, and the, it motivated me to record some gospel music. And I actually did um, succeed with the you know four uh, the first four uh, platinum albums in gospel history, and it was just kind of an expression of uh, of uh, you know a newfound. Uh, importance in, in our lives and I because I had been through the mill I mean I I had my problems with the alcohol and drugs and being on the road and just that whole lifestyle <clears throat> so it was an important thing in in my life I'm not a religious guy at, at all but I do have a faith that I live by and, uh, so I'm not uh, I'm not hesitant to do a gospel song if I like it you know some of your albums, I think you mentioned, um, have won the Dove Awards. Is that so? Like Grammy is is for music, and and the Dove Awards is for like gospel music or gospel albums. Yeah, That's- yeah, yeah, more or less. Uh, and uh, I think my first two albums uh, in gospel, "Home Where I Belong" and uh, "Happy Man," they they won uh, Dove Awards. And those first five albums won that won Grammys, and that's always. You know, that was a wonderful time for me to, uh, you know, have my music nominated. And I had been nominated for Hooked on a Feeling and Wrong Song. Uh, but, uh, you know, to win those Grammys, that was uh, a beautiful a beautiful thing for me. Now, um, in, in terms of the gospel music, did you contribute to any of the writing of those songs? Uh, no, not not really. Uh but my my wife Gloria was a, was a songwriter. Okay, she doesn't write that much now, but we are we are starting to write some. Uh, she she wrote quite a few of my gospel songs, and uh, uh, you know, it was it was fun. It was a fun time in my life. But you know, I, I was involved. So the music was so successful that um, you know I began to be perceived as a minister. Uh, or you know that kind of thing, and I knew I was I was I loved to sing the music, but I was not going to be a um, you know a teacher or a, or a minister or anything. So that after after four or five years, we felt like we had really made a statement that was worthwhile. I kind of went back to just doing uh, basically went to country music then, and that guy's all I've always been uh, country to a certain certain degree and so I love to sing country too. When you go on tour um, and you're performing, how long are your sets usually? I would do an hour and a half. Okay, and then... That's about the standard length, you know. Alright, how many songs do you usually do in that period of time? Uh, 18 maybe. Okay. 17, 18 songs. You know, I try to do all the the songs that that have been hits for me and... uh, uh, and I'll do a little gospel, and uh, 
And uh, then, then uh, I've always been a huge fan of R&B music, um, from kind of from my generation, mm-hmm. uh, Motown, uh, Stax, that kind of thing. So we do a couple of R&B things just for fun, and we, we have a good time. Well, now mentioning, uh, you know, talking about R&B and and, and Motown and and some of that early stuff. Uh, I was also reading that one of the first performances you ever did was with uh, James Brown. Yeah. Tell yeah, us about what that gig, was like. That was my first gig on, uh, on I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. It was my, the first gig I had that was booked out of out of Houston uh, was with James Brown. And, uh, oh, man, you know, we I, I idolized those uh, great R&B singers and... Uh, James Brown was one of my favorite favorite guys, and he treated us really well. Uh, sometimes, you know, the the um, some of the you know the white guys on the on, on his tour, they would the, the audience would give him a hard time. They would make sure they were up to snuff. <laughs> and uh, so, so James, James kind of he took care of us and kind of took us under his wing. And he was, you know, he was a great guy to us. And at one point, you also worked with Ray Charles, too? Yeah, I did. I worked with Ray Charles when he was with uh, CBS. We cut, we cut a duet that was a, a top ten country thing. And, uh, you know, man, working with Ray Charles was just just an incredible experience. And just what a what an awesome, awesome guy. And he just was bigger than life. And just all the things that... You can say about somebody like that are so true about him. He was just wonderful. What was your connection with uh, Dick Clark? Because I know that comes up quite a bit in your bio. Yeah, well, you know, I, I was booked after after I worked with, with James uh, for about a week or so. I went up to Cleveland. I worked with the, uh, some other uh, R&B guys, and then I got an offer from from Dick Clark to be on his. Uh, I don't know what they call it. American Cavalcade Bandstand. Star. Yeah, and uh, so I went out and I worked with worked with them, and we we were we were uh, friends over the years, and I would see him quite a bit doing his, uh, you know, doing his show out in California and working with him on the road. He was uh, he was fantastic. Um, a lot of the musicians that you work with, um, a number of them were sessions musicians, and of course, you know, kind of like. They play Leon Russell, for example, you know, and these guys would 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 do backup. But like in your case, did you ever sing along like as a, a as a, you know, because your voice is amazing. Were, were you ever used in, in any songs in terms of like a, you know, a, a backup vocal or anything like that? You know, I never did any backup singing. It was always uh, it was like they kind of had to bury me in the mix. I tried to do some, but, that you know, I was always um, you could tell it was me, so that was, <laughs> that kind of that kind of hurt me when I was doing back background music. But uh, I, yeah, I love everything about the studio, man. I mean, that was my favorite part of uh, of the music business, if you will. And I, I loved being in the studio and doing new stuff and different different things. And I still do. I'm going into Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Uh, as soon as we get out of the pandemic, and I had been scheduled to go in in July with Dan Penn and Billy Lawson, two uh, two great Hall of Fame songwriters, and uh, so I'm still planning on doing that as soon as, as soon as I can. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I was up in Birmingham, Alabama, um, a couple uh, three four weeks ago because I do appraisals on classic and antique cars and stuff, and I have a customer up there, and I always. Read about, heard about Muscle Shoals. I mean, some amazing groups went mm-hmm. down there. Everybody, I mean, who's who's been on their yeah. on their list. And the old building is still there, and it's two hours from Birmingham. So the next time I go to Birmingham, Alabama, I'm going to go by there, visit that building, and see if I can't get in and just tour the facility because it's supposed to be incredible. Yeah, well, the one I'm, I'm recording at Wishbone uh, Studio. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'm sure if you drop by Wishbone, they'd let you come in and look around. No problem. That'd be cool. Now, you, uh, at one point, you explored acting, and you did a movie called Jory, <laughs> if I remember correctly. And you played yeah. a really cool character, but the character didn't have a very good ending. So why don't you tell us a little bit how that all came about? <laughs> yeah, I kind of I kind of got killed in the second reel there. Um, uh, during Jory down in Mexico, and that was a 
great experience for me too, working with John Marley, the great actor, and Robbie Benson was his, Robbie's first film. Um, you know, acting is um, it's a it's a little tricky, and I lo- and I love to do it, but I never really pursued a uh, an acting career. But uh, I, I like to do it when I get the chance. Well, I was curious, so I had to actually watch part of that movie a little bit. You know, where you were showing Robbie Benson how to draw a gun and flip around and all that kind of stuff. And the part yeah. in, in the bar scene stunned me. I thought for sure you were going to take the guy out. And unfortunately, it worked the other way. But then Robbie retaliated yeah, I got for you. I bumped off. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I got, yeah, I got killed by, uh, I guess, one of the guys that was out of the Magnificent Seven, but uh, uh, Dexter, I forget his name. But yeah, it was, it was fun. I got to, uh, it was a very dramatic time for me. Uh, making that movie because as my father passed away while I was down there and uh, you know lots so I had went through a a lot of different experiences and uh, emotions (laughs) making that movie but uh, it's a a great memory for me Um, if you were not doing what you're doing singing and performing what would have been let's say your your Another choice for you. What, what other career? What would have been? What's another passion you would have pursued? Well, you know, I'm. I, I'm uh, I got a semester of junior college, but I'm. I'm kind of undereducated. You know, I'm not a college graduate, and that would have benefited me. But you know, just the way I grew up. I grew up. My dad was a working man. He was a blue collar guy, and that's probably what I would have been. Uh, also, if I, you know. If something else hadn't gotten my uh, gotten my attention, I just probably would have been a working man and grew up and uh, lived my life in Houston and um, just another guy, you know. Were you ever in the cars or motorcycles or anything like that when you were younger? Yeah, I was in the cars. Um, you know, used to love to have a great car. Um, Gloria never would let me have a motorcycle. So, oh, okay. Which is probably good. That's probably good. I probably would have wiped out. But, uh, but I, of course, my dad, my dad, his brothers, they all love motorcycles. And I was around motorcycles as a kid. And uh, so, yeah, I got the car bug, too. Okay. Anything cool that you had in the past? Oh, well, I had a great, you know, a great vet. I had a number of. Uh, uh, Lincoln's and you know Cadillacs and uh, Gloria's first car was a was a Mercedes a little Mercedes convertible uh-huh. that uh, I bought it when we lived uh, lived in Connecticut and uh, yeah cars are great they're, you know right now of course uh, uh, they're you know they're not that important in the situation we're in right now but I, I always love cars and like to have a, a nice one. Well, if you need a cold classic, don't forget to uh, keep my name in your in your little uh, black book, and then you can call me, and I'll hook you up with something really cool. But um, all right, I'll do it. Let's say if you know, like, what are some of your hobbies that you do nowadays? I know you're you're a grandfather now. You've got lovely children, and they're professionals and stuff. So, uh, what are some of the you know, family life is real important to you, correct? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So we got we have a great family. Uh, you know, if I, if I have time, I, I play golf. I'll go. I'll go play some golf. But the, the pandemic has kind of messed that up too. I, I, I just am not getting out much because being in Texas, I mean, it's been pretty hot around here for the virus most of the time. So we're, you know, being as careful as we can. But yeah, I love to play golf, and the, uh, you know, and I love my family. When you. Um I think somewhere I was reading that you like to travel every once in a while. So you've, have, when you've performed, have you performed predominantly in the United States or have you performed overseas as well? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've done overseas. I've done the Europe, uh, practically every every country. In South America, you know, I probably had more hit records in Brazil and Argentina than I had uh, in the States. So I've, uh, I've been very successful down there. In uh, South America, so I used to go down there regularly, and I've been down there I don't know 15, 20 times, but I haven't haven't been in a while. Australia, Japan, you know we've we've gone to all those places. Beautiful Mexico, great. 
If you uh, and if you look back and you reflect of all the people that you've kind of worked with, are there still some people on your list that you would still like to uh, sing with, do a duet, or, or perform on stage with? Well, that are still yeah. around. That are still around. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm sure there's still people left that I would I would like to work with. We we may we may bring a uh, some, one or two folks in when we do the thing in Muscle Shoals, but we'll we'll see how it plays out. You know, that's the one thing about music. There are so many great singers and entertainers. And there's always somebody great to to meet and to know and to record with, and uh, just a, it's just been a great uh, a great a great way of life for me. And I'm sure there's some people left I need to work with, so I'll try to get that done. Would you? Um say that uh like the music that you hear today are there any influences that that have uh that kind of like you know because one question i always ask musicians and singers is when you're you know what you sing and you know what you like and you know what kind of like what your audience likes but what else do you like to listen to in other words if you're if you're not listening to your own music and maybe some of your good friends what type of stuff type of music do you try, kind of tune into is it like very broad is it anything specific or you know what do you what do you like to listen yeah, to yeah no it's uh, you know i've got i've got a stereo and i've got records so you know i'll, I'll play some marvin gay or uh beatles or you know some i'm kind of old school I, um, I like my generation of music, 50s, 60s, 70s, and so I still listen to to a lot of that. And uh, you know, but I, I like classical music and, and and all that too. And I, I like the, much, much, very much of the, uh, a lot of the current music too. So it's you know, music's always changing. Somebody's new, somebody's younger somebody's got it doing something a little different that kind of thing so that's what keeps it interesting um anybody in your family were they influenced by you would they decide to kind of like pick up uh and follow in your footsteps so to speak any of your children any of your grandkids have an interest yeah maybe maybe i think my uh, uh one my my oldest grandchild nadia she's 15 i guess and she's really a great singer got a great uh, throat a great sound in her uh, yeah, when she sings so she may do something with it but uh, you know I never really pushed any of my children to to be involved in uh, uh, in, in music because I know how tough it can be if you don't have the you know uh, the burning desire to do it and I'm sure that goes along with any profession uh, then you know I don't I don't want them to just be in music because they're my child. I want them to do, you know do it because they really want to do it. Really, none of them, none of them really had the burning desire, and I was kind of glad about that uh, that they could, uh, you know, have a more normal uh, lifestyle. But you never, you never know what's going to happen. You know, they're they're still young; they could go music anytime. Well, you certainly have the connections, and you certainly have the talent. And if they uh, decide to pursue it, obviously, you can uh, kind of coach them along the way. There's no question about that. I will. Yeah, if they need it, I, if they want it. <laughs> One question I wanted to ask you, I forgot. A lot of your songs that you did in the early days um, were basically covers. And you basically took those songs and just did a great job with them. Those songs, when, like, for example, let's just say uh, um, the Hank Williams one song, for example, um, I'm so lonely, uh, I could cry. I'm so lonesome, I could I'm cry. I'm so lonesome, exactly. Um, when that record, that did that first come out for, as a single for you? Yeah, it came out as, as a single on a local label in uh, Houston. And Scepter Records picked me up through a C. Tyrell, was a guy I grew up with. And uh, he he uh, was working with Scepter out of New York City at that time. And uh, when the song went number one, Scepter... Uh, picked it up uh, otherwise I was on local labels certain things like that but yeah Lonesome was my first single the first release I'd had a number of singles out locally uh, I was one of, uh, kind of a local guy and hey you know <laughs> sometimes I would make a fair record sometimes I wouldn't but to the radio would always kind of give us a chance and uh, Lonesome was really the first one that that I cut that really had uh, 
what it took to be a hit. Now, did you in those days when you were cutting records, did you actually have to go around to radio stations and talk to the DJs and say, "Hey, look, could you play my record here? Could you spin it a few times for me?" Did you have to go through any oh, of that? Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah, all of the, I knew all of this jockey, you know, by their first names, and they knew me, and they, you know, that I always would go and go in the back door late at night, go up and uh, talk with them, and they were all we were all friends. We admired them, and we knew that you know we were we were very interested in them playing our records. So we made a point of uh, getting to know those guys. And I, I I still have friends today that I talk to, you know, on the phone and see as often as I can. Who are uh, one of my best friends is a is a top forty DJ from that time from sixty sixty on, and uh, so you know I still know some of those guys. But yeah, I knew all those guys. I take them up my record and. Um, that's what happened with Lonesome. I took took them up uh, the record, and we thought the the other side of Lonesome. We just put we just put Lonesome on the record for my dad. We had no we we had no hint that it was a hit record thing. And uh, anyway, we I played the A side for the my buddy Bob White, Joe Ford, and those guys uh, with the KILT and K News Radio in Houston, and uh, it. They said, well, they don't think, I don't think we can play this on BJ. They said, let's hear the other side while you're here. So we turned it over, and I'm so lonesome was on the other side, and uh, it just hit them just right. They put it on the radio, went number one in in three weeks, and uh, got this thing going, you know. Wow, that's just incredible. So your story is true, too. So basically you had to go in in the evening, late at night, when the evening, the, the, the disc jockey yeah. that had the, the graveyard shift, basically, and then he would slide it in for you. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes, you know, we'd put a suit, we'd put a tie on, and we'd go see him in the daytime. And, uh, you know, like, I, always, I was just thinking the other day about this. We always, every time the Beatles would come out with a new record, uh, we would go... You know, we were lucky enough. We were in the business. We would get some of the first copies, and we would take those those Beatle albums and uh, go around to these fifty thousand watt stations around Houston and uh, give them the album if they would play our our song for a week. You know, and so we we would do that kind of a. I don't know if that's exactly payola or not, but we would trade <laughs> to get some airplay. And it, it worked a lot of times. And again, you know, of course, the DJs, uh, we were all buddies, and they were anxious to play our stuff and hoped it would be good. And, you know, they were always uh, supporting us in a good way. When you, when, and, and, and I know, I know you're, you're pressed for time here, but one more question. When in the early, early days, do you ref, often reflect to say, wow, it was really, really cool coming up, you know, playing in the local clubs and stuff like that, and, and, and in my own little neighborhood there, and it, and it was just, just had a kind of a homey feeling. And, and now here it is, you know, 50 years later, you know, you're kind of back doing that kind of again. And it's just, it's kind of, does it kind of bring you home? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And we stay kind of, uh, we kind of have that base as the real obvious part of what we've always done. All the all the years, the fifty years or sixty or however long I've been around, I've always been, you know, trying to stay in good shape, getting ready to go to a show, driving to the show. I mean, it's all, it's all the same. It's from the time I started to to right now. You know, it's it's all about. Uh, shaving and getting ready to do the show and, and uh, being on time and so it's uh, not a lot has changed since I was in the, the little band I started with Well BJ if people want to find out more about you how do they go about doing it how do people connect with you a little bit and uh, are you on we've got a great uh, well we've got a great Facebook uh, page and uh, we've got a great PR and management team out of Nashville uh, you can come on the, the Facebook page on, and also bjthomas.com and uh, you get my schedule, or uh, you know, we reschedule a bunch of stuff. We'll start uh, putting the dates on there when they become real again. And uh, you can find me that way. Wow. Well, BJ, I want to thank you again very much for t- taking some time out and hanging out with us. And you know, and uh, congratulations too, because uh, Raindrops Can Fall on My Head is in the uh, Grammy Hall of Fame. I guess there's a uh, uh, an organization that uh, for albums that they they basically have their own Hall of yeah, Fame as well. And songs, uh, yeah, for albums and uh, and singles and things like that. So we, we went as, as a group. The, it was the record, raindrops, Mr. Bacharach, uh, Hal David, and myself. We went in as a 
as a group. So it really was uh, significant and something I'm really proud of. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm 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 a big fan of yours, a big fan of your music, and I and I wish you the best of luck. And again, I want to thank you very much for coming on Nostalgic Radio Cars this evening with us. Man, I appreciate you supporting me like this, and I really enjoy talking to you. And uh, we had a lot of fun. And thanks to everybody out there listening. And thank you very much. Okay. Well, best of luck to you. And if you come to Clearwater, Florida, don't forget to look us up. Okay, buddy. I will, Robert. Thank you, man. Hey, have a good Christmas and a good New Year too. Okay, buddy. You do the same. Thank you. I want to thank my special guest, uh, B.J. Thomas, legendary singer and uh, Grammy Award winner and just an all-around super nice guy. You know, it's funny because a lot of times in these um, interviews, I make my notes and stuff, and I always forget to ask certain stuff because I'm making notes as you go along. But anyway, it was a real treat to have B.J. Thomas on our show live and uh, pretty impressive. He's got some great songs. Be sure and check out his Facebook page. And uh, go see the movie Sun, uh, Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid. And uh, see the uh, raindrops keep falling on my head scene in there. It's kind of cool. And uh, I, in fact, you know, it's funny because he's riding around on a bicycle. And it, it kind of threw me off originally because I thought it was an old Western. And then so I'm guessing it's probably somewhere around uh, the turn of the century, the beginning of the industrial age with bicycles and stuff like that. So... But, uh, hey, stick around for Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget to tell your friends to tune in here every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Town Talk Radio Network. Now, for the rest of this year, if we can, we're going to kind of try to round up some more musicians and stuff. And uh, we're kind of on this musical kick right now. It actually started in October with Rocktober. And uh, so we sent out our feelers earlier in the year, and we're just now getting some, some feedback. So... Uh, hopefully, with a little luck, we'll have some uh, musical guests, some uh, very well-known musical guests on the show for the rest of the year. So uh, stick around. Always check out our Facebook page, uh, our Instagram. Follow us on LinkedIn. And, uh, hey, hopefully we'll see you in some of the car shows around here. Don't forget, Leftwood Cities, uh, three weeks, and then uh, Sumter County Fairgrounds, car shows, swap meets, you know, car junkie like me. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.